again, everybody, and welcome to the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm your host, Jim Reed, and I'm Bluffsterini in the home games, and I'm joined here by this illustrious panel, as always. Steve Fredland, reassure everyone that you're still out there. Why don't you lead us off? Just in case you need reassurance, I'm still out here. I'm Rec Poker Steve uh, in our home game, and man, this is a fun, fun panel. Uh, I love these forum discussions. Great job, Jim. All right, dive in there. Who's next? Well, I'm Rob Washam, Rabman50 on the home game and on Twitter, so you can contact me there. And I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5555 on uh, PokerStars and 5x5 on Twitter. And I just had a better ace than Steve in the home game. <laughs> <laughs> or pretended to. <laughs> Uh, I'm Taylor Moss, also known as Gopher Boy TJM on the PokerStars home game. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Taylor underscore Moss. Uh, just this past week, I finally hit the threshold of even number of followers and people following me, or people that I follow and people following me. So maybe we can get some people out there to kind of push me up and make me feel like I'm a bigger deal than I am if you go out and follow me. I was just excited when you said you got to even number followers. I was like, two followers. That's great. It's ah. been so brutal only having an odd number. The same time. Uh, all right. Mute him. <laughs> and I'm John Somsky, Poker Geek MN, and I'm happy to be here. As are we all. I love this group. I love hanging out here and talking poker with these guys. So let's get right into it. So every episode, we take one discussion post from the rec.poker forums. This one's from Monkey System, a uh, regular poster and one of our premium members. Um, so I'm just going to read through what Monkey System has to say here, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll get on into the conversation. So my, this is a hand taken from the nightly PokerStars home game. And Monkey System says, In the big blind, I flatted a small raise. Then on the flop, checked to the preflop raiser. The preflop raiser makes a minimum bet. This player does that a lot on the flop and turn with virtually his entire wide range. You can't fold because he'll print money. If you call, you're giving him a cheap turn card for his draw. If you make a pot size raise with a polarized range, you've let him get out of the hand cheaply. You could make a raise that prices him in for his draw while causing him to invest an incorrect price if you had the amount of his micro bet. <laughs> you would do that with a more condensed range. He could fold and get away cheaply, call and treat you like you just made a donk bet, or blow you off the hand with a polarized range. No matter which way you play it, you're giving him information he wouldn't have had if he had just checked behind like people usually do. This is my favorite part of Monkey Systems post here. He's like some NFL quarterbacks who use the cadence to force the defense to declare themselves and then exploits the additional information. I'm getting my butt handed to me. Help! And Monkey System, I got to tell you, first of all, you're not the only one who's getting their butt handed. And I think I know who you're talking about. I think I know the player in our home game that you're talking about. I don't want to. I don't want to get their name out on the on the airwaves publicly, but I think they know who we're talking about too. And I'm pretty sure their first name starts with the letter M. <laughs> so we'll see. I think player whose first name may or may not start with the letter M. Get involved in the forums and let us know if you are who we think you are. But this player, M, has been wreaking havoc all over Rec Poker, uh, Rec Poker Nation. This isn't the first time they've come up in the forum. 
And uh, they've got this aggressive betting style. They bet a lot out of, from out of position on every street with every holding, no matter what the action is. It's hard to pin them down. And as you can see, Monkey System is having some trouble responding to this. So does anyone have any, any insights they want to throw out there right off the bat? Have you experienced this player? Yeah, I've experienced him a lot. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, Keith Brandt is Monkey System. I love the way Keith thinks. and I love that he brought this up. Uh, it's a fantastic question. I've got some thoughts, but I think Rob wanted to chime in there. So I'm, I'm really curious what, what Rob has to say about that. Uh, he's telling me to go, go for it. Yeah, you're, you will make a fool of yourself, Steve, and then I'll come back in and correct you. I love it. Rob's, well, Rob's like our bet-sizing guru. So I, I love that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's tricky to play against. I mean, what I found is, you know, I'll generally come back with pressure. Uh, you know, but it is, it's almost impossible to fold in almost every one of those situations because you always feel like you've got some enough equity for, you know, 5% of the pot, you know, so that that's almost out of the question in most situations. But, you know, I mean, whether it's this person or whether it's other people, I mean, I tend to go ahead and take an aggressive line uh, against them and because it puts the pressure back on them. And what I found uh, with, with some of the folks that do this is that then they have to sort of define themselves a little bit too. Um, they do fold quite frequently. And so you can say, well, they got, they got, you know, they got some information for cheap. That's fine. Uh, so I think the exploit is because they're doing this so often. I think the exploit is to, um, you know, to raise more often and put some pressure on. And typically I will size it up a little bit. Um, you know, if it's a hundred, I might go, you know, 600, 800, make it a half a pot size bet or something like that. Uh, and what I've found is generally those people sort of define their hand at that point. Um, so that's been the approach I take, but I'm, I'm happy if I've got enough, if I have equity, if I've got a gut shot or whatever, I'm happy to just peel. But if I don't have any equity, uh, I'll go ahead and raise that and see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's kind of what I was going to say. Basically, if I have a hand with, a, say, a draw, a flush draw, maybe like you say, a gut shot, something like that, I might just call to see one cheap because I'd like to see one cheap right there too. Um, and if I do have an, a real hand that I feel I'm ahead of, that's another one where, okay, I'm just going to call it off because he's going to continue to do that. Um, and he's going to, like you say, he's going to define his hand. If you go ahead and do raise him, if he calls, that means he got something there. He got some of the flop. Um, so you, you don't really have to raise if you actually have a holding or if you have a, you know, a nice draw, I think that's an opportunity to, to get a free card or to, to keep him in the game and keep him betting. So yeah. I like, I like the thought of, you know, if you, if you don't have a hand or you got a good bluff type of hand to go ahead and raise at that point in time, and you're going to find out real quickly if he has something, if he calls, you know, he has something. If he doesn't, if he folds, you take down the pot right there. Yeah, I think the trickiest part of it is when you're when you're nutted against him and it's heads up. Now, I, I say it's, it's usually multi-way, right? Like I think you know in these these tournaments a lot of times it goes multi-way and he's leading small. So if I'm nutted, I'm you know it's pretty. I just call and hope somebody else comes over the top and that that works well. I think it's it is tricky when you're nutted against him, like because you don't want to raise him off of that. But I don't. I want to be balanced, so I'm not just raising my bluff. So that that is where it gets a little bit tricky to me, uh, is how do I get value uh, out of him in, in those spots? But. Mm -hmm. I think a key hey, uh, thing. Sorry. Go ahead, Taylor. Okay. I, I think a key thing that you said there, Steve, is balance. And like the whole point of this like small lead is to take you off balance. And I think a lot of people uh, become unbalanced when this small lead comes out to them. 
uh, one of the first things that I heard you say, say, Steve, that I think is the way a lot of people think about it, but also a kind of a poor way to think about it is like, hey, if I've got a good hand, I'm going to raise them. If I've got this draw, even a bad draw, I'm going to call and try and realize my equity. And just taking that simplistic approach, like split your range in half in terms of, hey, I've got value when I raise and I don't have value when I just call. And that's a huge piece of information for your opponent to get, especially for only, you know, a min bet or a, a really small bet that they're putting out against you. So you have to make sure that you're staying balanced in these spots because otherwise it makes your opponent really easy for them uh, to understand how you're playing and to play against you. Uh, so you have to find that balance where you're not always raising when you've got a good hand. You're not always just calling when you have a draw. You need to kind of mix it in both ways. Um, it's not the easiest thing to do. And sometimes when I see these min bets, I like to just pretend this never happened, right? Like there's a 1400 chip pot and they let out for 200 and I go, okay, this never happened. If I want to bet here, how much would I bet? Would I bet half pot? Okay, well now the pot is 1600. And if I want to raise, I have to go to some number that's raising it. And maybe even it's, if I want to bet 800 in that spot, I'm going to a thousand to make the bet 800 more for our opponent to call. Um, so it, it can be tough. It's not the easiest thing to play against because it's kind of a unconventional play and it's a play that's taking us off balance. So to counter it, we have to do our best to stay balanced and um, kind of make the best decisions we can at all points during this like process of uh, flop, turn, and river. Yeah, I really like what you said there, Taylor. I, I kind of do the same thing, whereas I treat a small bet like that as though it didn't happen. And how I react to it depends largely on my stack size. If I'm sitting on a big stack at that point in time, I treat it exactly like a check. And if I would check behind in this situation, I just call. Um, I'm not giving them much of it, any more information than I would have had I been checking. Now, if I'm on a small stack, then you've got to be a lot more careful because those bets do add up and they are a significant portion of your stack. And you may need to just fold. Whatever you do, you don't want to react emotionally to the player just because you're frustrated doesn't mean you should jam or doesn't mean you shouldn't fold i mean there are times when you're going like he's betting two hundred dollars into a four thousand chip pot how can i possibly fold but when you've got no hand and no draw and you're not going to plan on stealing the pot then of course you should just fold so and that's okay so it's just a matter of playing with your stack and not letting it throw you off balance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I've also heard that expression about just pretending it didn't happen. Like when I'm, when I'm playing and uh, an opponent makes that kind of min bet on a, on a street, uh, my typical reaction is just to treat it like a check and to just uh, call it as if I was checking behind or to, as, as Taylor and John were saying, raise or, or bet into it as if I would otherwise. And um, the key point there that Taylor made uh, monkey system also refers to in the bottom of the post is that um, one important part is to size your raises and bets as a function of the pot size, not as a function of that little individual bet size that you're getting. Because if he makes it 200 into a pot of 1400 and you're like, oh, well, 3x to 600, um, that still does not that you haven't actually rate you haven't made a functional raise there. So um, 
And one of the things that players like this are doing, they're in a way they're kind of uh, taking away the power of your position because they allow themselves to open up the action again um, by that small bet. It's sort of like saying, yeah, well, you know, I, I actually still get the last say on this street after all. Um, so your strategy has to do a lot more um, with pot control, thin value, thinking about which hands you want to play a two-street game and which hands you want to play a three-street game. Um, because when you're in position, you want to preserve that ability to cap the size of the pot, to control the size of the pot, and to have that last word. So one way to do this might be kind of turning it into a, a two-street game, which, as Steve says, is annoying if you're there with the nuts. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he might be getting, if he's betting 5% a pot on average, he might be getting more than 5% fold equity with that too. So uh, that might be part of the consideration. I think um, it's interesting that hearing you guys talk, I realize that maybe I'm not the only one that, that is into this, but maybe there's a psychological thing that happens to me, at least in this deal is like, you know, if it's checked to me, you know, with my draws, I, I think I balance those pretty well as far as checkbacks and raises. But when he bets the small bet or whoever does, I think I tend to just see, try to see it for cheap for that, for that. I, something psychologically just says, oh, I can see it. See if I hit my draw for just that much. And so I'm, I become unbalanced. I think I'm balanced in terms of raising with, with value and bluffs. But in terms of those draws, uh, I think what's happening for me is I'm just calling behind a lot more than I should if I were just pretending it never happened. So that's an interesting, interesting insight for me. And, and some of those draws could be used as your bluffing hands too, right? I mean, for, it's for a sure. very, very common practice would be to do a uh, a bluff with some sort of a draw, some sort of a straight draw or a flush draw could really be uh, could really be used as a bluff. Because even then, if you if he does call, and now you know that he's actually connected, well, now you have a more information. You still have a very good opportunity to win the hand if you're flush. Or, or straight comes in. So um, there is their opportunity there too to, to include those with your bluffs. That way you, you do have a better balanced range. Does this, do you, um, just a curiosity, does this strategy continue uh, in later decisions, later streets, later spots, uh, min clicking it back, um, turn bets, that kind of thing? Based on my hands with this player, I've seen it on flop, turn, and river, uh, really in a wide variety of, of circumstances. Um, and I have seen some bigger sizing on the turn. Um, I haven't gotten enough hands to really dot drill down into the river sizing, but I'm coming for you, player M. We're going to crack the code. We're getting you in the HUD, and we're breaking you down. But um, I did notice some bigger river sizing or some bigger turn sizing from time to time. So they might be, they might be sort of like establishing this on the flop and then getting a little more exploitative on the turn. I haven't seen a lot of clickback raises though. These these tend to be first action uh, bets. Yeah, I think that makes it a little bit tricky is because he will continue uh, most streets, at least the player I'm thinking of. And so it's not like some players where you can just purely float and just know that they're going to give up on turn and river. So even though they're small bets, you know, I think that would be for sure the play to do would be just, just call flop all the time. And if they mm -hmm. check turn, fire, tire, fire turn, take the pot. But that's he, he generally uh, continues every street, even though they are micro bets. 
And you really do cap your range too by just calling. If you're calling in a conventional fashion in the way that we were talking about here before, well, I'm getting such a good price, I'm just going to call with my draws and raise my value hands. Like you really are making your own life difficult on those later streets because now you have to play the guessing game of am I going to call this bet uh, with, with what I've essentially turned into a, a bluff catcher. Um, and that's just a harder game. That's a harder game. It's harder to balance those calling ranges than it is to balance your own aggressive actions. Um, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, I've been watching, uh, in, in kind of quarantine, uh, COVID days, I've been watching a lot of, um, main event, uh, just, you know, actually I saw Rob, uh, I saw Rob's table the other, the other night, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that there's some players who do that clickback kind of thing, um, even in the main event. And, and some of the high-profile players, like Michael Mizraki was doing that a lot. Phil Helmuth does that a lot, where they kind of clickback raise to sort of figure out kind of where they're at. They kind of have a, a marginal hand or trying to figure out where they're at. And it's not, it's, it's not a very conventional strategy, but I've noticed some of them doing that. And I've been thinking about how I would play against this. And this feels like another kind of strategy like that where it's um this this sort of informational bet where they're not risking much but they're trying to figure out what you how you're going to react to it as a player um and maybe maybe the way to react to it is to not give them much information so we're either calling or maybe we are ourselves I mean, if this player is doing this, they're probably doing it because it frustrates the idea of it frustrates them. A lot of players take on tactics that like things that frustrate them. So maybe a clickback raise is just the absolute, you know, idea with this player because now they're not they're they're gonna have to put more money into a pot, but they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make a decision about how to approach it. Uh, the same decision they're trying to make you. To, make um and if you're out of position maybe leading out into this player for a small bet is a really in where you might otherwise you know that donk lead you might otherwise mm. not do it maybe putting them sort of on their toes to kind of figure those things out would be a, a really uh interesting approach against a player like this and i mean one nice thing about the small bet sizes is that it does free you up to get out of line a bit on some continuing plays because you, you like you've actually you're going to be getting pretty good odds on raises and you're going to get be getting pretty good odds on calls you can you can float profitably and, and plan to take it away in the future um so you know they're 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 playing a very wide range the question is are they doing it in a balanced fashion and then how can we sort of counter exploit that it, and I, we talk a lot about how whether GTO is really applicable for the games that we're playing against. But this seems to me as a great time to start thinking about GTO because we're trying to, we're trying to be unexploitable ourselves here. We're trying, to we're trying to basically protect our own continuing ranges so that they can't be exploited by intelligent players that are gaining information about us on the flop and then using it against us on the turn in the river. Um, so I'm kind of fascinated with this from a, from that point of view, from a, how can we examine it from a GTO point of view and, and see if we can actually like crack the nut here. Yeah. I really like what, uh, Chris just said, because it's, it's, it's making you uncomfortable when he does that. You don't really know how to react. So what do you do? You try to make him uncomfortable. 
So I, I really like that approach. I mean, if you have that type of hand that you maybe you would normally raise it to half pot, you know, maybe just click it back because you're now you're still in that you're still in that mode where you're going to be putting a half pot in, and now he could he can easily react properly to a half pot bet because he has he, he, there's no decision for him now. It's either fold or or continue, right? And, but if you just click back, now he's going to wonder, well, you know, it's not costing me that much. I mean, what should I do now? So he's putting, you're, you're putting him right where he put you. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. Whenever this thing airs, like whenever this is, like we're all going to be watching and seeing all these clickbacks, right? <laughs> Everybody's going to be min-metting this guy. Everyone's, yeah, that's all you're going to see. I feel like we should warn him in case he's not listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been wreaking havoc on the entire right. like, poker day. Yeah, like, honestly, he, just, not, he just won one, yeah. He just, uh, yeah, I don't want to give it away. We don't know that, but I think that's who it was. But yeah, like, oh, yeah, come on, Steve. But the uh, this isn't the first time it's come up in the forums. I've even had someone... Um, so when I was someone, one of the one of the people I was working with uh, for coaching asked me about um, this player and like how how we could approach their game very differently. So kudos to Player M, you are uh, providing some stimulating fodder for the Rec Poker forums. But we are after you, sir or madam. We are coming and we will catch you. So I, I can't say that this person maybe won one recently, but you can give the first initial. Is that how that is? A, a lot of different first initials <laughs> out there. You know, it's different names. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But there, there are more than one. There's more than one player that does this as well. There's one person I think that does it more often. But there's there's several people that do this. So yes. interesting, good yeah. stuff. All right, fun. Well, I hope we gave uh, Monkey System something to talk about. Um, they we we were in the forum. You can read a little more about um, how we might exploit this from a GTO perspective. How we might balance some bluff and value ranges in that spot. Uh, so go and check that out. And um, please. Write your own posts in the in the rec.poker forum. Bring us some hands from the home game. Uh, tell us how we played things poorly so that we can come here and get better together. Um, let's all get better together. Share the pain, people. Uh, all right. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for being here on this excellent edition of the Rec Poker Forums uh, podcast. Uh, website AMP. Learn Pro Poker and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And of course, Steve Fredlin and everyone here on the panel for coming and talking poker with me. Thanks, everybody, and have a great night. Thanks, Steve.